Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings citizens. This is a science fiction movie podcast. Every week we get together, we've watched a science fiction movie and we talk about it. It's really quite that simple. And coming up on today's show, we will be discussing the brand new film from Amazon Prime, The Tomorrow War, starring Chris Pratt and some other faces you may have recognized. So how lucky for us. Yes. Um we will we'll get to it and we'll I guess we'll do a little spoiler free section since it's a, a brand new film and you may actually want to know if it's worth even checking out. Uh, I mean the short answer is no it's not, but we'll get into it in just a second and uh <laughs> we'll take it from there. The premise of the film is that there is a war against aliens taking place about 30 years in the future and the numbers of humans that are still alive and able to fight are so low that the humans in the future have developed a wormhole to travel back in time and start recruiting people from present day. And would you believe it, Chris Pratt is one of the, the many who are called in and taken to the future to fight in the war of tomorrow. What, what did you, what, what was your first impressions here? What, what did you think of the tomorrow war? Um, I thought it was, uh, not very good. Um, I don't really, I don't really like the movie that much, uh, actually. And I think I'm pretty, pretty easygoing to this type, this, this type of stuff, but like, I just don't, I don't know, things just felt out of place, miscast. And you know what? I really like the director. I really love the Lego Batman movie. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I, I did notice Chris McKay's name in the, uh, yeah. in the credits. And that movie is, you know, funny and smart and an interesting plot. And, and this, is not, that, mean, this has none of that, is what you're saying. <laughs> no. <laughs> it has a cast that says it should be, but uh, it's not. Well, what's funny is the first thing I would say about this film is that it has no idea what tone it's trying to have because it's all over the place. The film, especially early on, it's taking itself so seriously, but Chris Pratt's kind of acting like Chris Pratt and he feels yeah. out of place. But then later on, it adds in more comedy characters. Yeah, we get like a Chris Pratt-like character in sandwiches yeah. and later. later. <laughs> and, and then the last half hour, which obviously I'm not going to say anything that's happened in that, but the last half hour of this film just goes into complete stupid territory but the amount of like comedy one-liners that start sort of piling up and the and none of them are funny i want to make that very clear there's not a single joke in this movie that i think lands no <laughs> they're painfully really. unfunny <laughs> and That's... i really really love sam richardson i'm not familiar with him uh but when i looked him up uh he was on a tv show it was a veep he was in the... yeah yeah that's what you know from. and he he's a scene stealer in that show yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I like hated the villain dialogue he had in this pretty much. It's, and I don't know, if, I don't necessarily think it's his fault. Uh, this is just not a good script. And honestly, I think the direction in this is pretty wonky at times. There's, yeah, the, there's a moment <laughs> specifically where there's a gunfire fight with aliens, and they're going downstairs. Mm-hmm. And it's actually it's Sam Richardson specifically who's firing his gun at this moment. And he's sort of like walking as he's firing it and going downstairs. And the way this scene is shot and edited as he's firing at this alien who's like, you know, trying to like 
run down the walls and get to him is that the pacing of the, the scene the, the shots backwards and forwards is so consistently equal and he's mm-hmm. just constantly yelling and saying like uh i can't remember what he's saying but he keeps repeating a phrase something like uh come on then come on then or oh shit oh shit or oh no oh no something like that right it's meant to be mildly amusing but it's in what's supposed to be a tense scene where he's fighting for his life but because of the way it's paced and because of that line of dialogue and the way it just keeps cutting back and forth and he's just sort of like moving at such a consistent casual pace as he's firing this gun it feels paced like it's entirely meant for comedy like there's no actual danger it made, it's not the exact same thing by any means obviously the actual setup is different but it made me think of something like uh in the first i think it's, it's either the first or the second naked gun movie where there's a shootout where they're on just like two opposite sides of like a trash can and yeah. they're just kind of like ducking up and going back down and going like that over and over again <laughs> and it's just perfectly in pace um that's that's what this the editing of this scene made me think of because it just kept as the aliens oh shit 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 it was like i was expecting like some sort of like the camera to pull back and reveal something funny because the editing was telling me there was no real danger uh so that's just one example i actually found there's a couple moments kind of like that where i was expecting like some other payoff like the camera would pull back or the scene would like go to behind the characters and there would be something else going on but it's almost like there's a lot of scenes that are set up to be a joke that don't pay off yeah although we said that it was making me almost hope that if the final time you thought it was going to pull back and reveal something it did and it was just buster sitting there i would have given that i would have given it an extra point <laughs> just yawning oh. <laughs> he's been there the whole time oh <laughs> uh, yeah yeah the cast in this obviously something that's worth mentioning obviously chris pratt is the star and honestly he's pretty miscast in this i think uh no, well he's miscast in at least the movie i think they were trying to make for the first half that the amount of like small things that come back and get payoffs in the last act feel more mm-hmm. light-hearted than the rest of the film supposed to be which i thought was really weird but at yeah. least for the majority of the film he feels miscast especially since he still has his like physique for uh, from being like an avenger <laughs> yeah like the, he he gets like the gratuitous moment where he has to have his shirt off and reveal his perfect body and it's like okay it, it reminds me of like um a little bit of like total recall where you know arnold schwarzenegger <laughs> is supposed to be in every guy you're like you're you're the biology teacher yeah, but... <laughs> you who's on this like strict keto low carb um just on total recall it, he's actually an agent from mars who's had his mind wiped so there's a reason why he looks like that or he's in recall the whole time no or he's really <laughs> an agent from mars who had his mind wiped you guys should check out our total recall <laughs> review hey hey you see can't, which side you land on you can't deny it explains why he looks like arnold schwarzenegger you can't deny that. Oh, blue sky on Mars. How about that? <laughs> Bite me. All right. So, yeah. So Chris Pratt, I, I do feel, is kind of miscast in this because he's he, there's a few dramatic moments where he's supposed to look like really intense or sad or like heartbroken. And honestly, I think Chris Pratt is good at what he does. I, you know, in Parson Wreck, he was good as Andy. 
I think he's fine. You know, he's Star Lord. He, he that's definitely his his niche. That's definitely where he belongs in terms of. Oh his yeah, I agree. Those are really the only roles that I've enjoyed him in. Like, I don't, I don't really like him. I don't, I don't really like his character of Owen in Jurassic World. I think he's one of the weaker parts of that film. But I, I don't know so much if it's him or if it's the, just the writing's kind of bad for for his character. But um, I'll take his Owen over this movie though. Like, oh sure like he's still yeah. trying to be quippy and like the the lovable rascal <laughs> yes yeah i mean I'm, I'm not i'm defending this character or, or, or the owen character but i there's levels here and this is definitely much worse than owen in terms of well, how, how all i'm trying to feels. say is that like obviously like everybody fell in love with chris pratt who watched parks and rec because he's just adorable and so fun to watch in that and then when he you know became star lord it's like oh yeah he's got this other thing that totally fits him and he's great at it but the other stuff i've seen him in like i you know he did zero dark 30 or was it yeah it was zero dark 30 he had like a small minor role in that he was in uh the movie her he had a small role in that and although you know both of those movies are great he does kind of like stick out like you're expecting him to be kind of funny or quippy or quirky or something and He's, he doesn't really, uh, I don't know. He's got a very specific niche. Mm. Yeah. He doesn't work when you put him in something that feels like, could be like a Kubrick sci-fi movie, but you get passengers instead. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. In the hands of well, other yeah. you know, creative I haven't seen talent. that one yet. I've been avoiding it because, honestly, I'll just say it. I don't really like Chris Pratt <laughs> With the exception of the two roles that I like him in. Well, you know, some some people just you know they, they fit the one role or or two in this case, and that's all you like, and that's fine. Okay. Uh, we have other cast members. Uh, his wife is played by Betty Gilpin, who I do like. Uh, she you know she was on Glow. Uh, she's popped up in some other things that I've seen. Uh, J.K. She's Simmons. She's in that movie, The Hunt. Yes, which I uh, wanted to see, but I didn't see that. It wasn't. It was, I mean, it had some ideas, but it wasn't that good either. Uh, J.K. Simmons. Is is uh, Chris Pratt's father in this? He's rocking a beard, and I mean, it's always nice to see J.K. Simmons. But he, J.K. Simmons, is by no means a mark of quality. He was also in Terminator Genesis. Uh, dare we remember? Uh, <laughs> so that's that's a thing too. Uh, and there's a, there's a few like faces you recognize. Yvonne Strahovski is like a character in the future. Uh, Marilyn uh, Radchkub, if I'm saying her name correctly, they're from Twenty Four. She's got a small role in this. Uh, you know, more in some of these characters when we get to spoilers, but it's, uh, there is a lot of faces you do recognize that are in this. Yeah. So, I I guess it feels like a real movie in that sense, but, I mean, I'm trying to stay away from plot and stuff because I, I just wanted to save that for spoilers, but I just, you know, I wanted to get across the kind of, the cast, the tone, the, the poor direction. I think one of the, 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 to sort of like give an example of the humor not working, you know, beyond just some st- other stuff being unintentionally funny towards the end because i was i actually started to laugh at how ridiculous the movie got towards the end but there's a joke which is in the trailer this joke it's when they're sort of in training or they're getting ready to ship to the future and there's a moment where uh richardson's character like is struggling with his gun and chris pratt leans in and says hey you do this and you click blah 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 and he shows him how to use it and he's like hey, how are you so calm and collected how do you know what you're doing he's like it's a long story he's like you're ex-military. He's like, yeah, I guess it's not that long. And 
or not, that's not the exact line is I guess it's a short story. And I, all I could think was, I could see it. I can, I can tell what the joke was supposed to be there, but I feel like the, the the actual line of dialogue and his delivery of it really made it not funny. Like it wasn't a. Well, that would have been a hysterical joke if he'd delivered it properly, because it's you know, like, you know, it's a long story. It's da 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 da. Oh, I guess it's not long, right? That's a joke you've seen in Fifty Things. It's happened maybe, before. Maybe it's like, um, you know, when you get like a a, a dramatic, a normally dramatic actor who can do comedy, mm-hmm. and it's always a surprise and a treat. Maybe it's different when someone is primarily known for comedy is trying to do comedy that's a little bit flat mm. so we're just we're, we're just we keep expecting chris pratt to be like the clown you know i think it works for like um uh like chris hemsworth and stuff like people don't expect him to be funny but he is quite funny so if he had like a line like that maybe it would work a bit better but because chris pratt is always funny that it, this doesn't seem like it's good enough or something I remember thinking it wasn't funny in the trailer, but sometimes the timing of these jokes can be lost in the trailer because they'll chop it up a little bit to make it fit or whatever. Turns out it was just a red flag. It t- turns out it was exactly as bad <laughs> as it looked in the trailer, yeah. Uh, that, that's pretty much the, the case. Yeah. I also thought the movie looked kind of... Generic? Kind of ugly. Ugly, bland, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it just had like a really bland color pa- palette. Except for like maybe the wormhole stuff, but that's pretty quick and... There's, there's just it's, no style. It, it looks like a really... like It, it looks it's, like World War Z or like... It, it's in a wider format than like 16 by 9 but it still just looks like it's a TV show in terms of how it's how, how, how it's shot. It's got, I mean, yeah, the, you get some cityscape stuff that's kind of like, this looks a little bit like something you'd see in a TV show now. Yeah, it looks like, oh, like, I mean, they say it's Miami and maybe it's actually like the CG or whatever's based on Miami but it's the sort of thing where like, if you told me that's just Vancouver because... That's usually what the city is when they tell you it's something else. I would have been like, yeah, True. probably. <laughs> it's probably just my camera. Uh, yeah. To the point where I'm like, I'm almost surprised there wasn't a big fight in a warehouse uh, later on in the movie. Because <laughs> they do have a budget. They clearly have a budget. But it's yeah. it's one of these things where I'm watching this movie and it became quite clear that not only is this just a hodgepodge of ideas from other better movies, right? Some of them are really... A lot of movies, actually. And some of them are really specific towards the end that I want to talk about when we get spoilers. Absolutely. But not only do you have that, but even just the look so bland and generic, you have like, okay, here's a very likable cast of actors who most people are fond of from various things. And here's a, a plot. It feels made by committee. It feels like a room full of executives got out their, their Who's box. Who's hot right now? We'll get those guys. Yeah. <laughs> if they got a box out, they filled it with like all the, the different elements that will make a hit movie. And they ended up with this. And it just feels kind of soulless. And it's funny because science fiction, by its nature, you know, we expect it to maybe have a bit of subtext, maybe say something about something. And earlier on in the film... You actually messaged me and said, oh, it's about this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I can kind of see that, I guess. But it felt so thin because it wasn't doing much with anything. Like, it wasn't... It oh, wasn't... Like, great right in the beginning, yeah. though, it was, like, hitting all the, the, the boxes. But it, <laughs> it wasn't really doing much with anything. But it's not until actually quite late on that it suddenly just sort of shoehorns it in, like, really heavily uh, near the end. And it's like, oh, I guess you are kind of trying to say something about that. But... Mm. The, the funny thing is, is that it's so almost, it's so condescending in how it uses it and patronizing 
that it almost <laughs> like it's instead of being like something that's meant to be like a oh here's a metaphor for this topic instead mm-hmm. it feels like if anything this might make people not take it seriously because it's been a used bit, in a yeah. stupid plot so right yeah um I want to keep especially it to- with how it ends also like it's, it's just like so now we don't have to worry about it yeah 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 it doesn't <laughs> make know. any sense <laughs> I really want to compare it to a really, really famous, really bad movie, but I, that will spoil what the what it's about. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to yeah. say no right now. I, I also think the aliens <laughs> looked a lot like the ones from Edge of Tomorrow, like the, their movement and uh, like the, they have like little squiggly bits that come off of them. Or maybe I, it's just all all aliens yeah, that are designed I, 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 by I, on computer look the same now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I don't think it's specifically edge after two because at least at least they're a different color and they have the the spikes they shoot like it's a little bit different. Yeah. But yeah, they that, actually have like bullets. Yeah. But in their biology, I, I think honestly the complaint you what you're hitting on here is more that just there's because it's not just edge of, edge of tomorrow. There's a lot of CG monsters and aliens that have this kind of feel to how they move, like this kind of big insect or big whatever, like crawling yeah. around and whatever. it's I don't know. I feel like I've seen this exact sense of movement a hundred times at this point. Right. So. It just looks like other movies then. Yeah. It it really does feel like a a soulless product that was put through a filter of like focus groups and uh, these are all the things that that are hot. People like these in movies. People like this. This is, um, it's, it's like, I don't know. Like so, sometimes I'll, I'll critique in some of the Marvel movies for feeling a little bit like they're off an assembly line, and I, I do hold that opinion. But this is like the worst case example of that, where it really is just, oh, there's nothing of merit here at all. It's it's just the elements and nothing else. Yeah. But do you think Chris McKay was passionate about this film? Do you think he showed up to set and cared and was like, I'm making a film? No. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I really feel like he felt that way with the Lego Batman because he was coming off. I I know he was like a producer on the the Lego Movie, and that movie was a surprisingly like really great film. Mm. So, like when he did the Lego Batman movie, he had a lot of expectations, and I think he was proud of what he made because it worked with pans of batman and worked with kids and adults and you know it's it was, it was a really terrific film i thought and it had like emotional moments with family and stuff and this movie is supposed to have that but it really falls flat i i'm yeah i think you just sort of uh got paid <laughs> for this yeah it, it's just so weird the tone early on is so confusing to me because it feels like it's treating like this really serious thing like it feels like devastating the hints of because people who go in this war only go for a week and then they come back to the present day but only like a small percentage actually come back those that do a lot of them are, are heavily injured you know they've lost limbs whatever and it, it you know it's taking it super seriously and there's this dour tone to everything but there's a lot of just little character things that feel like they're out of a more light-hearted movie that, that would be a Marvel movie or would be something else that can, that has room for a bit more of a light-hearted tone with scenes with jokes and, and whatever. Well, maybe they felt like it was it's something they need to do now because of Marvel films' success, their formula success, and, that they have to have that Matrix code in all movies now. And, and that's a problem because you can feel it. You can feel the, the, the 
you know, it's almost like it's, 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 it's a coward. The movie's a coward. It doesn't want to have a tone. It's just doing everything that's safe. And it's mm-hmm. really boring to watch as a result. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I guess we're going to... Sp- I mean, it, it's not all bad, but, like, it's it, it's definitely disappointing, especially with the message that they're trying to do. And, I don't know, it, it's, it's just... We get good directors, like, why do they make this made-for-streaming trash? <laughs> I don't get it. Well, there's a question that I would have, because I don't think Amazon developed this from scratch. I think Amazon bought the movie. Oh, they bought it, yeah. I, I don't know when they bought it. They bought it, like... I'm trying to remember, because I remember, like, covering it in the news. I, I think they Amazon picked it up maybe either right before it started shooting or maybe it was out during shooting or just after shooting but it, it wasn't like they, they bought it when it was all completely done but it, it was like at least a thing like it existed in some form and it really isn't helping this idea that the stuff that ends up going straight to netflix or straight to amazon is probably going to be shit like that that is kind of a, a trend that we're seeing with a lot of movies that get picked up by them it's a dumping ground it's this where oh, we made a turd, we'll just sell it to Netflix, or in this case, Amazon. It kind of, it is kind of starting to feel like a trend at this point, based on the yeah, ones that I've seen. Yeah, I mean, I guess those, those streaming services are just in such competition with each other that they, it's all about having the most new things and the most variety, not the quality. Yeah, they get to say we've got a big movie with all these cast members, and then you know, for for the weekend that comes out, people will be talking about it on Twitter, and that that's like enough for them. People will yeah re up their subscriptions or something. Yeah. Yeah, if you re up your subscription for the Tomorrow War, uh, <laughs> you, you you've made a mistake. <laughs> you've been a huge mistake. Well, I mean, I'm sure it's no coincidence that even though this is clearly a Christmas movie, it's coming out on Independence Day weekend in America. Movie about aliens with your favorite action hero. I mean, there's one scene set at Christmas. <laughs> I know, I'm kind of joking, but it is. it opens in Christmas. Yes, it, it does open on Christmas, but it's, you know, there's a time jump after that, and then, <laughs> you know, and then a really big time jump when they time travel. <laughs> So, that goes without saying. Yes. Um, all right. Let's, let's get into some spoilers then. So full spoilers from this point on for the Tomorrow War. Uh, you have been warned. So, Chris Pratt's character. Let's, let's analyze this character a little bit and talk about the problems with this character. Did it, did it strike you as unlikable at the start of the movie? Because he's, he's, he's in like a phone interview. He's got like a job lined up. And he's, we hear that he's teaching high school biology. He got a degree. He served in the military whatever and he's talking to these guys and they're like hey you know you're a good candidate you've done all these things but you know you don't have any experience in the private sector so i think we're going to go with someone else we're sorry and he's he's getting a little bit heartbroken and that's fine that makes sense but when he comes in inside and he sits down in his couch and his daughter comes up to him his little nine-year-old daughter comes up and and she he's obviously he obviously teaches her a lot about his about biology and chemistry because she keeps testing her and stuff and she's talking about what she wants to do, and she wants to be the best at things. Because he he's watching the, the football game on TV, and he says, they're the best in the world at this. And yeah. British you know, football, not American football. Sure, yes. Uh, <laughs> but he, he basically is sitting saying, I'm going to do something special with my life. And I don't know, it came across to me like a little bit entitled. You know why? I think because... 
we just watched soul and the whole point of soul is that you don't have to have some kind of grand purpose in order to like have a life and be happy and it's okay if you are just kind of mediocre and i like the point of that movie <laughs> i didn't watch soul though so oh you didn't no, I've not seen that yet. Well, you know what? I think you'd like it. <laughs> I may very well, but if you don't like this characteristic in Chris Pratt, I think uh, I think you'll like Soul. But I think the important point to take away from that is that that's not an excuse for why I don't like him. <laughs> that's felt entitled to me on its own. So <laughs> that, yeah. that's the, that's the takeaway here. Uh, yeah, and I I had problems like right away as well. See, see, as soon as like so they sit down, I'm already finding him a little unlikable because like what he wants to feel important and do something with his life. I mean, he's a teacher. It's kind of important. <laughs> it's not enough for him apparently. He wants to be yeah. a superhero. Well, I mean, they don't get paid very much. So, but they're watching this game, and then distortion happens, and this is when the people from the future first arrive. They land in the middle of this game, and. This is, I shouldn't be focusing on some sort of weird technical thing like this. But their leader. And not the leader of the whole resistance. Which, for the record, we never actually get to meet a leader of the resistance. We don't even know if there is one. It's just kind of vague as to who's in charge of the whole thing. But this woman steps forward and says, we are from the future. And the first problem I had with this is that there's a sound effect on her voice to show that she's effectively playing over the the, the stadium speakers she's amplified yeah. and all i could think was how is she mate i did think about that too i thought well maybe they have like some sort of future tech where they can tap into like whatever sound system i don't know it's the future <laughs> they I have mean, time travel technology i mean it's a, it is a quibble i know it's a quibble but i, I just and i also didn't think her performance was very good i, I thought it was kind of weird how she gives this very rushed speech that is basically just there to yeah. give us the premise of the movie and it sounds so unconvincing that I'm like, why? No one would believe you right away. Like <laughs> this is this is nonsense. No one's going to buy this. I mean, I know you just came through a wormhole, and people are going to obviously think there's something spectacular going on. But I don't know. Like, there's yeah. almost a more interesting movie in the months it would probably take to convince people that <laughs> that this is actually real and that there's a war in the future and and all the rest of it. Like, this there's... that wasn't some sort of special effects yes. <laughs> or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I, this is when I texted you and I said, "Oh, I think this movie's about <laughs> climate change," because <laughs> she's like, "We're we're fighting in you know this specific year, not too distant future, and we're fighting against a non-human enemy." And I'm like, "Okay, it's starting to sound a little bit uh, like climate change," and they're coming back to tell us that we need to get our shit together. Uh, yeah, and then of course there's the debate on TV once we've jumped forward in time, where there's like one guy arguing that, "Oh, this is not our fight. We don't even know if this is going to happen." Right. Yeah. And then someone else is saying, "Yeah, but this is our children, our grandchildren, and they're in yeah, this fight." Yeah, right? it right? all becomes right. pretty that, hammered that is on there. the head. <laughs> but the, the problem yeah. with that though is that from that point on, though, it kind of just like does nothing with it, right? There's, 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 there's and here's the uh, thing. I would say it it still comes up. I don't mean for the rest of the movie. I already said earlier that it comes back uh, towards the end. I'm, I'm no, no. I'm, I mean, like. I mean, throughout the film, I was noticing like things that were connecting to it. This this time gap. So you've got these people arguing that oh, this is a world that may not actually happen. That, you know, this this is not our fight. It's, it's thirty years in the future, and I'm like, but thirty years, like most people who are alive today, are still going to live to see thirty years, right? 
not not i mean obviously we know that a lot of people get killed in this war right so some of them don't quite make it to 30 years but like they they have kids it's, it's going to do this, this is not some figment thing where it's going to be five generations before someone feels the effect so why do you give a shit this is literally your own children who are going to fight in this war or possibly grandchildren the gap yeah, is but i think i think that's enough. like the point though right because like I, I don't know how you know your your folks were about it but like my parents when i was a kid used to tell me that it wasn't real because like they've said before that things have gone up and down in temperature and it's not a big deal and like no no so you're conflating real life with the movie i'm I'm not saying i'm saying that the concept of the movie which is a war where there's literally people coming back like injured and there's all this death that they're witnessing and I know you're going to say, oh, but that's like the people are ignoring the signs and, and stuff. I get the metaphor, but yeah. it still feels stupid in the movie. Like I'm not like I'm not arguing that people are ignorant in real life ab- about the actual thing. I'm saying that in the movie, it it just it felt it felt unearned, it felt cheap, it felt hokey, it felt like they just want to have this. It's to me this is like we're going to pick a serious topic and make a sci-fi movie about it. But they didn't. They had an idea about this war in the future, and then they somehow tacked in climate change as a theme, maybe, <laughs> kind of. I, I, just, I, I don't think so. I think the climate change theme is throughout the the whole film. Like, even the fact that, like, you know, the people who have to fight it are people who are just civilians. Like, we all have to do our part kind of a deal. And, like, the young people are the ones that are training the older people. Like, there's there's a lot of themes like throughout the film that I think they're like okay we have to hit this point and this point and this point. I mean I think it's there if you look for it. I think you're giving this movie too much credit. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the premise of the movie was we want to make a climate change movie, but we're going to instead of it being, you know, I, the I, I climate, think we're going to make no, it aliens. No, no, I think you're crazy. If you think the starting point for this movie was not we want to make a money making blockbuster and not uh, this was not someone said i want to make a serious film about climate change climate change was the theme that they could fit into their plot it did not start (laughs) with that it did not start with the message i Uh, i disagree i disagree i think like there's a lot in this movie (laughs) throughout the whole thing no just just because there's a lot doesn't mean it it started with that sure (laughs) they they tailored their script to fit with it but that doesn't mean that like the core concept of this was that we want to make a big CG-filled blockbuster. That is mm-hmm. where this started. <laughs> it didn't start with, I want to make a serious film about climate change. You're absolutely crazy if you think it started with that. <laughs> crazy. Well, then I'm absolutely crazy. I think that they wanted to make a blockbuster movie where climate change are aliens. <laughs> of course, his wife happens to be a counsellor for people who have came back. And they're all just like shell shocked, and they're all looking like they've seen ghosts, and they're like, "Oh, it's horrible." I can still hear the clicking. There was clicking, all the clicking, and it's at this point in the movie where we see Chris Pratt at work because right before he gets the text to like recruit him and draft him in, he's teaching his class, and none of them care, and they all get snooty and being like, "What's the point? Oh, we're all going to die in thirty years. So who cares if we?" you know learn about stuff and get good grades or whatever we're all we're all dead anyway which and this is kind of the sad thing is that i'm like there's a lot to explore with this subject that it's just kind of glossing over 
in a weird way. It's glossing over uh, the ideas of, yeah, what about all these young people who think there's no point anymore? Like, you, you, you could, like, shouldn't we be following a character like this, maybe, <laughs> to, like, get, get, like, a sense of... I think you're describing the movie Tomorrowland. I mean, she had a lot more optimism, but, like, that's essentially what the plot of the film is. I suppose in a way, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't have any specific examples. It was just, like, there's a lot of, like, things... Like, there's a lot of ideas that are thrown at the wall in this movie that feel like they're just kind of glossed over. Um, the idea of there being, like, everyone who goes forward to the future has to be already dead in that future because we find out Chris mm-hmm. Pratt's going to be dying in, like, seven years. We don't know how at first. We find out later. But, and the idea that everyone who's came back to the present also can't have been born yet. So everyone who comes back to talk to them's all at most in their mid to late 20s. Uh, so we have this set up and I'm like, okay, that's an interesting mechanic. And of, of course, yes, you, you're you saying that's going to be the theme of the young people are like spe- spearheading the climate change like charge. But the movie could do more with that as a concept. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe have these younger characters struggle to like have authority with all these other characters or maybe one of them should be the main character perhaps <laughs> i don't know because maybe that's a more interesting perspective to have maybe i did i didn't mind the scene though when we get like the everybody like suiting up because you know i think they're part of like the third wave or something uh chris pratt and when he's called and oh, you it's see, way, like the... it's way more than that because the 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 guy who went on the first wave who's on who's coming back. Oh, that's it, right. It's, yeah, his, he, it's it, his third time. It's his third tour, but it sounds like there's been like one every week for like months and months and months. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're right. But like, I like that you see like what looks like Aunt May or something like putting on a a combat boot over like her muumu <laughs> and like women there in like yoga pants that have been recruited to go. <laughs> and then, uh, I like I like the the that that imagery of like everybody has to fight. Yeah, it's it's I don't know because it it was kind of a mixed bag for me because it didn't really feel like I didn't feel the weight of any of it. It felt like it still wasn't sure if it wanted to be a lighthearted movie, so it was mm-hmm. almost treating it like look at the wacky hijinks of all these different characters going on this this thing. sure i mean it was just like a flash and then you're like okay so his team is going to be like a bunch of people who definitely aren't prepared for what's ahead of them for sure which is actually one of my biggest problems with the movie as well just just from like an action standpoint and like a like a tension standpoint is that when they land something goes wrong with the uh the the wormhole device and they don't land they may land just off the ground right so they just fall down a few feet but they end up falling from like a really great height in the sky, and the only reason why Chris Pratt and a few of them survive is because they land in the swinging swing pool at the top of this building, and everyone mm-hmm. else who doesn't land in that just falls to their death. And it's like, oop, sorry, splat, you're dead. And that's never really explained. I don't think why it was doing that. There's no hints in retrospect as to why it was acting up. Uh, so like they say, right as Chris Pratt gets sucked into the wormhole, like there's a shot of them saying something's wrong, we're losing it. And then when they come back after the seven days, they said that the wormhole connection's gone. They're not able to hold it anymore. Okay, so I it... assume it's something to do with that. Well, no, we know why it's not there anymore because the, the device that they use in the future to like set it up gets destroyed they, at the end. Yeah, they blew it up. <laughs> yeah. 
that's got nothing to do why it malfunctions at the start. Like, so uh, mm. there's never an explanation. Yeah, there's a line where they say, oh, there's something wrong with it. But there's never, like, I thought that was set up. I thought, oh, something's starting to interfere with the wormhole because they're not maybe, yeah. you know, maybe the space time continuum's starting to be there like, no. There was something else that was kind of a hand wave. I, oh, it was like the, they can only go between to one year or something. It was only going to be 2051 that, the wormhole can like go to and they're like you can't go to any other years and they're like they just kind of hand wave that question away well I, that's not exactly right that's not exactly right what 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 the rule is is that it's like a linear uh tether between the two of them so mm-hmm. it's only 1951 just now maybe when they started it was actually uh i said 1950 2050 <laughs> maybe, maybe so 2051 just now but maybe it was 2050 when they started the idea mm-hmm. being that they're both moving alongside the you know, you know like it's it's all basically it's always exactly 31 years or whatever it is uh right. between jumps so um which i've seen that logic used in other things i feel like here it's just to make the writing easier because if it wasn't that then there'd be tons and tons and tons and tons of like why not just do this Battles. why not just do that <laughs> why not just do this thing over here uh none of this seems to make any sense why are we doing it this way uh so that felt that felt like a that felt like someone thought of a plot hole and they came in and wrote an Elena dialogue to explain it. Like it is, okay. you know, it, it's a it's a it's a band aid. It's like a it's like a single band aid over a plot hole, and that's all that mm. line, all that little speech was. That's what that feels like to me. Yeah, they said. I mean, they know where the first attack happens and like somewhere in Russia. So you think it'd be more like we're just going to prepare for the first attack, like since you can go back in time and warn people. You can bring back like technology and stuff. Not that you don't need it for the war that you're fighting in the future, but if you're invested, if you have a time machine, then would you just like try again? Uh, yeah. Okay, so the, one of the things I was going to get to though is uh, when they all land in the future, is that I don't feel that anyone reacts appropriately or reacts no, with, the, not. with the sense of dread and confusion of like, okay, we're in this future war-torn version of I think say Miami, and like Chris Pratt just goes into sort of because he actually has some experience he starts sort of getting into like military mode and he, he sort of try to help everyone and whatnot and the guy who's on like his third tour he's, he's got a couple of buddies who clearly have all been here before they're all kind of more trained and I thought it was really weird that he just lets Chris Pratt like basically become the leader of the squad like he just mm-hmm. sort of lets him go. and that's the other thing he just starts doing his own thing that well he, st- but he sticks with them though and he, he follows Chris Pratt's orders because Chris Pratt like you know sort of directs them around a little bit and he, he does it he goes along with it which actually leads me to another weird thing. Like, they recruit all these people and they don't give them any sense of hierarchy or, like, put, like, someone in charge of the, the team. Well, or... maybe they did, but they died as soon as they landed. <laughs> Only, like, 12 of them survive in that pool. I mean, may- maybe they did, but, like... W- surely that that's that's something you don't just infer from, like, yeah. nothing. There's, there's no yeah. hint of that. There's no hint that there Especially was... since you're getting someone who has military experience. Like, he would, he seems like the obvious choice. And don't get me wrong. They do say that they're, they're jumping ahead of schedule because something's happening in the future and they need to go now. Mm-hmm. So that's why they're skipping, like, some basic training that some of them should be getting. But I don't know. It, just, it felt weird that it was so unargued. It was just like, here's just a random group of civilians, some of whom are literally just grannies who were taken off their porch and have never held a gun before in their life. Like, what do you think you're going to accomplish by just throwing them into a, a middle of a war? They're going to die in seconds. This is stupid. This is the most <laughs> stupid plan that you've ever thought of. <laughs> yeah, it's just a meat grinder. It's just throwing people, expendable people at them at this point. It, it It's really silly. Uh, 
so Chris Pratt goes into military mode. They, they're, they're, they're given a goal. They have to get to a lab and get a sample and potentially save a team of scientists. But the scientists are all strung up Predator style. So I guess it's also ripping off Predator a little bit as well. I never even thought of that at the time. But they're all upside down. <laughs> Inspired by, I'd say. Right, Predator. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, we get this staircase scene where the, the aliens attack them properly for the first time. And it is such a dull sequence where you never feel any red, real threat. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone who dies is a red shirt. Uh, to the point where when they get back outside, and it feels like we saw like four or five people die, when they get back outside and they're running down the street again, I'm like, there's literally not anyone that I remember that I don't see now. Like, everyone that I remember I can see. So, yeah. no one of importance died. Uh, what did you think of the actual alien combat? Like, them coming towards them and the, you know, the axe and the gunfights. Was there any of that... I mean, I mean, it's the first time that we really see the aliens um, and they're like setting up the rules and stuff. I like that the aliens can shoot like they have their own biological bullets in a way and guns attached to them. Like they they seem threatening looking enough um, and that they can travel super fast. Um, but the rules don't really seem to line up with like the, the the how like the combat works with the humans and the aliens. Like, it seems like they all should be dead with what the aliens could do mm-hmm. to humans. I mean, that's really what I got from this scene. Yeah, I, I just got generic from this scene. Like, I just got these are generic alien designs. This is a very generic scene that's probably directed. Um, I, I feel very little tension. And then, of course, we have the, oh, there's there's a set of jet fighters coming to, to bomb the city. Uh, which, given what we find out soon that the the woman who's kind of running the local like you know resistance like that's Yvonne Strahovski who turns out to be Chris Pratt's grown-up daughter which by the way can we talk about how long it took Chris Pratt's character to get this <laughs> like it, it, yeah. this guy comes up and calls oh yeah as soon as they said that he was going to go into the future by a certain amount of years I'm like well, yeah. well he's probably going to meet his daughter because that's yeah. a movie thing to do <laughs> but it's, it's so, so this guy walks up and says colonel whatever his last name is and he's like i'm not a colonel Forrester, i think yeah and he's like oh you've got the same name why can't oh so uh how do you spell it and i'm like oh my god you're such a goddamn idiot where are you from same place you're from <laughs> It took him so long. But anyway, Boy, so you kind of look like my wife. So, <laughs> so the fact that... The fact that she intentionally wanted him to come forward in this batch because her plan involves him taking something back to the you know the present day with him. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. So why did you put him in a situation where he has to run from like fighter jets dropping bombs all over the city? <laughs> like This just seems like a very poorly thought out plan. Oh yeah, definitely. Is that just me? Uh, and by the way, so uh, what's her face from Twenty Four has like a weird standoff scene where she says, "I'm going to stay back so you can get out." When they're running from the aliens just before the fighters come, and she mm-hmm. has this scene where she's just standing there yelling as she's firing her a gun, and it just it all feels a bit silly because she's had like two scenes, and the only scene and she's so had the sacrifice means nothing. Yeah, the sacrifice means <laughs> to us, to the audience, anyway. Yeah, absolutely nothing. Um, it's. It's just, oh, there goes that one face we recognize from other things. And and this is, uh, this is, uh, yeah, I, I guess, you know, part of the problem I have with the, the climate change, uh, like, theme 
which well it, obviously because it's stupid later on when they properly bring it in because it, it gets really dumb but <laughs> it's it's the fact that i don't even know if it's okay so you've got the all right the young generation are leading the charge kind of idea all right fine whatever but they're not really i don't know changing the older generation's mind <laughs> or anything like that and they're not really you know n- nothing i guess i mean i guess the idea is that the generation now doesn't worry about things like if it is real then they're not going to worry about it because they won't be around them but then they're like putting them into the world now where this th- this threat exists okay sure but it's not really saying it's it's it, it, it... It's ta- like it's, if it's, you it's, were going to experience it, then maybe you would change your mind kind of a thing. It's bringing up climate change, but I don't think it actually has anything to suggest about how to actually solve it. Especially well, you shoot it, obviously. Especially since the way this movie kind of ultimately solves everything is very much not going to work with climate change. Is There is not one simple solution <laughs> to, to that. I think, so. I mean, they, they kind of they say it at the very end of the film. I mean, I, I can bring it up now where it's just like where they're like, we should take this evidence to the UN or whatever and let them and let world leaders do something about it. And then Chris Pratt's like, no, if things are going to change, we're going to have to take care of it ourselves. <laughs> like that's that's the real message. Uh, back away from the mic a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're getting too hot in the mic. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I have a degree in this stuff. I get very passionate. <laughs> No, so I think, uh, yeah, I get that point there, but it, it doesn't change the fact that he's saying that, like, no, we can't let people as a whole decide this. We have to decide to potentially screw this up by only the six of us going in and trying to solve this problem on our own with no backup, yeah. with only a vague plan, <laughs> like, without knowing really what we're stepping into. So, but we'll get to I that. also think the message is kind of wrong. We'll get... Like, obviously, it's really hard to trust... Um, you know, government officials to do the right thing, but like leg- legislation and stuff is the only way we actually are going to be able to combat something like this. Well, that's kind of my <laughs> so, point. That's my that's my point. Yeah. Though, is bring- top down is definitely the way to go. That's my point, though. It's bringing up the subject without actually having anything to say about how to like do something about it, or like if if just like, recycle more. Like <laughs> no, but, but, something you, stupid you, like that. We're talking about the young generation <laughs> leading the charge, but it, it never really actually goes out of its way to say the old generation because it's not like Chris Pratt's character has an arc where he doesn't believe in this and then It's by the, not Chris Pratt's character, it's his father's character. Cuz he's the one in the end who says I'm sorry for everything, like it's his generation apologizing. That's then. <laughs> <laughs> he's in like but th- everything is he's in so like, like bonk bonk on the head he's in like three <laughs> like, scenes okay, that it. is so thin that yeah, that's definitely the reason he's there that is so thin i it, he's <sighs> like the gruff guy who like builds shit in his garage and does things against the government's rules like he's the person who definitely does not believe in this stuff and doesn't trust government and he's the one who has the arc at the end, and he apologizes and he fights for his children, his grandchildren. Okay, yeah, but <laughs> that's the whole point of his character. And I also think it's thin and stupid, but like, oh no! But what, what I'm trying to add to this though is, it's not actually showing how you can change someone like that's mind, because everything mm-hmm. this movie has isn't a metaphor. 
for her. You you can't actually <laughs> we can't take someone to the future and show them the like the long term <laughs> devastation. It, it doesn't. It, 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 that's not possible. So the the movie's not actually given us anything to actually sort of say this is how you communicate with someone who doesn't believe in this or this is what you do to potentially fight it. And what it's saying is actually kind of wrong in many ways. Uh, yeah. I mean, the first thing I would say is that, it, it, I think I said this earlier, but it, it's, it, it does so many silly things with the concept once it gets more overt with it in the last third, that if anything, it's just going to make people take climate change less seriously because they're going to see it as just the, the setup for some stupid alien movie as opposed mm-hmm. to whatever else. So, anyway, anyway. Uh, back to the, the, the... So Chris Pratt's met his daughter. After the after they've run from the city with all the the fighter jets dropping bombs everywhere, and he's just barely survived, he's brought this vial. It turns out she's trying to make a toxin that'll kill them all, some MacGuffin that'll just do it and murder every alien, um, whatever. And she won't tell him much about the future. Uh, they bond a little bit, but then as a mission, they have to get the uh, a female, right? Because most of the aliens are men, right? But there's like the, the the they don't call it a queen, but effectively, it can... seems like they're really rare. Yeah, and so they've, they've got like a nest that they go to, and she drops down from a helicopter into the big anus that's in the ground, and go in, goes into the cave. Like an ant hill. There's <laughs> a big anus. <laughs> we all see what we want to see. You heard it here first. Yvonne Strahovski <laughs> does does butt stuff <laughs> in the Tomorrow War. <laughs> hey, they should put that on the on the on the poster. It would sell some tickets. All right. <laughs> Just as- ascending into the. <laughs> I'm not even gonna say it. I hate it. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! And then afterwards, when someone complains, they can just say, "We never said it'd be hard, but." <laughs> mm. See? Full proof. Uh, so, Hilarious. <laughs> but anyway, so she says, like, now you have to stay in the helicopter, Dad. Uh, this is a mission for us. But of course he jumps down because he has to be the hero. Uh, one of the worst scenes in this movie is when she like breaks down in the beach after they've gotten away from danger and tells him that he left the family and that he died in a car accident when she was 16. Uh you know, he he basically they separate he separated from his mother when she was twelve, and then they got a divorce when she was fourteen, and then when she was sixteen, he died in a car crash. And this is where my mind, being a science fiction movie, you know, uh aficionado. At this point. You want to say that? Mm-hmm. Um I was thinking, oh, I bet the reason why he was so like miserable is because she's probably going to die in the future. And yeah. that's and the reason why he's depressed and the reason why she never knew why he was that way and why the wife maybe never knew why is because they never knew what he that he witnessed his adult daughter die and that's why he's eventually going to end up in this accident which may yeah. or may or not or if it's like his fault or be something intentional yeah but apparently that's too smart for this movie because this movie never even thinks of even addressing the idea that maybe she grew up with a Chris Pratt who always went back in t- or always went forward in time and came back it never even has yeah. that idea that we're in a time loop or anything like that it's just because it becomes clear that no that opening scene that i complained about earlier where he was just being a little entitled bitch and says i want to be special why am i not special it turns <laughs> out that's why he was depressed in the original timeline 
And that's why he eventually separated from his wife. It's not because he was distraught over the death of his child, which would be more more devastating and understandable and would make some dramatic sense. It was that he was just unsatisfied with his life. And that led to his death. Had a needless death. Uh, which... <laughs> Like, I, I had must... the same thought too. I thought it was going to be that yeah. because he saw his daughter die. And it's not, it's not that that's even like this conceptually is actually one of the things I love about Moon. I don't want to get too into it. I don't want to get too spoilery. But Moon is very much about how a character who is a bit of a dick <laughs> kind of like gets to examine who he is and grow and learn from it. So there is a good science fiction story to be told about someone who did have this really selfish path and then sort of was snapped out of it by this like witnessing what he does and seeing these things and then his life becoming there is a good cerebral story to tell there that's quite heartwarming potentially mm-hmm. but because it's so throwaway and because it's just kind of like i don't know the whole thing is just the emotional stuff between the do- father and daughter like it's did garbage. not get it's, to yeah. me at all and i have that a similar relationship with my father where like he taught me about science and got me very interested in this stuff like i even love science fiction probably because of my father and like that kind of stuff should resonate with me but i i just don't maybe it's because i just don't buy chris pratt's character or his acting in it but like i just don't feel the emotion like she's giving it her best I mean, it's probably the direction i think it's direction i think it's script uh, I think you know it might be a little Chris Pratt being miscast as well. But the, the weird thing is though is that because his character is so poorly written, I don't even know if I can blame it entirely on him either. Uh, but Yvonne Strahovski, I, I, you know, I've seen be good and other things, mm-hmm. so I, I don't necessarily think seems it's, like she's good. Like, yeah, she does her best in this film, and it's passable. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the better performances in the movie. Give her a gold star. It was passable. <laughs> But you know, you know, I, you know, I was a fan of her in Chuck. She's in Hamid's Tale, and that's a very sort of much darker role that she's getting to play in that. She's kind of a villainous character in that show, uh, for the mm. most part. She's kind of the uh, she's like the the rich like one percent housewife effect. You know, just to, to, to explain mm. to someone who's I've never seen, seen the, it, I've seen the movie. Um, sure, the sure. Version. Oh, so well, I, I understand what the role is she's serena joy then okay if you've seen the movie you'll know you'll know what i mean when i say serena joy uh yeah so and she's good in that role and she she's she, she was great and great, great and likable and chuck and it's just you know I, I you sometimes you just have a bad script you have thinly written characters and it's just one of these things where the movie gets worse as it goes because the more it goes the more the fact that all of its ideas aren't clicking and the more that none of the characters are clicking it becomes more of a problem the more it goes and what really gets me is just like where it goes in the last third because he actually comes back to the present day about two thirds in you know they have this big uh scene where they actually get the cure or the not the cure sorry the the opposite of a cure the the, the murder weapon <laughs> they, <laughs> they come up with this thing it's like, oh, we can't mass produce this here. The reason why she wanted her father there in this batch of people is because he has to take this back and mass produce it in the past so that they can just immediately win mm-hmm. when the, the aliens show and up. And she, she picks him because she trusts him because that's yeah. her father, even though he left her with a lot of trust issues Yes, <laughs> from the sound of it. And can we talk about... So he comes back to the present and he, he watches her die because the, the whole building's exploding and he, he beams out basically right after she dies. And... 
it's all it's it's it's, it's obviously such an obvious time travel thing to do because he's going to get to save her because he's going to be able to stop the future from happening and therefore his little girls will still grow up to be Ivan Strahovski, but she won't have to live this like hard awful life uh she can just go to mit like she said uh i i almost felt like he he was emasculated a little bit when he like said oh did you go to the university i went to and she's like now i went to mit he's like am 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 i mit yeah a little bit like (laughs) because they're supposed to be better than their parents that's the idea there's a moment there where you could just sort of see in his eyes like he thinks his daughter Schlong's bigger than his right now. That's the thought he just had. <laughs> That's the thought he just had in there. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. I think he's still maybe like registering that this is his daughter because she is so, like basically his age. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think there was a moment before you found out where you were thinking, you know what? If, if, I, if I think I'm going to die, I might ask her for a... Sort of for a for well, a, they don't really look anything alike. But I mean, yeah. Betty Gilpin kind of throws that in there at least. I'm like okay, maybe if it if they did have kids that they could look like her. <laughs> to be fair, I think the casting's all right as far as like, yeah, I mean, ah, it's fine. I I can buy she's Betty Gilpin's daughter. Yeah, I can buy it too. I can buy that. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, it dodges that because uh, this is the thing in a Chris Pratt movie, it wouldn't have been that that unexpected for him to try and hit on her. And then have hard mm-hmm. like sort of go. Oh no no! Don't don't Lorraine McFly me, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your daughter. Stop it. <laughs> that might have been comedy that worked, even though it would have been icky. Yeah. For I sure. mean, it works in Back to the Future, and it is icky. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, the, Martin McFly in that movie reacts appropriately. He reacts. <laughs> yeah, he's he's backing away <laughs> like he's seen like a, a he he's backing away more than Chris Pratt backs away from the aliens in this movie. He's like, oh god, oh no. Even Lorraine oh. has the appropriate response of feels like it's I'm kissing my brother. <laughs> <laughs> ah, how close she is! Not quite there, but very close. Something something's wrong. <laughs> It's almost like my same DNA is bouncing back at me. There's something just not right. So, <laughs> Nature's trying to tell me something. <laughs> That's weird. I should be feeling tingles, and yet it's like someone just turned on the vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> if we haven't um, we haven't actually reviewed those movies yet. We should save the rest. Oh yeah. Oh, it's oh it will come. <laughs> Don't worry. The the the, the four hour epic that is the Back to the Future review <laughs> is coming. That episode is cursed, so it's why you don't have it yet. <laughs> It's going to happen. Uh, I just got them all in 4K like a few weeks ago, so they're all there. They're, they're primed. They're ready to go. We'll talk about it. I'm pumped. Anyway. Uh, at least we're having fun making fun of this movie, all right? <laughs> I mean, Let's get to the last act. Okay, yes. So My cat's I, got crazy zoomies right now. I did, I did want to complain about something. So he comes home... They they hug him. He's brought the vial back, and they they are producing it somewhat. You know, he gives it to the the young leader of the 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 present day resistance here because this thing they're cut off from the future. But there is this squad of people who are there to recruit people who are like sort of stuck here in present day, and, and they haven't been born yet. So I guess it's all right. And they, it, it goes home, and he sits with his daughter. He's, he's he's horrified to look at her because he just watched her die in the future, and he's all. And it's after she falls asleep that he sits down with his wife with Betty Gilpin and says. I met her, and she was she was amazing. I know Foxy, and 
She she was a smart, intelligent. She was going to save the world, and she died. And then they start talking about okay, this is where they first appeared. They, when did they first appear? They first appeared in in northern Russia, and they start discussing about oh okay, so but they never found like a ship or something, right? They never like saw any like impact, and it's like do you know what? It'd have been nice if someone had even referenced any of this earlier in the film. Did you not think it was? Uh, this is not even my main complaint yeah, for the scene. I, I didn't remember if they did talk about it. I don't think they did. This is genuinely the first time. And I'm not saying they should have mentioned all these details already, but it felt really... The movie's already so long, so if they felt like they needed to cut it out to save time, then I'm grateful. But this is more important than some of the stuff we did get. Like, <laughs> like the, the idea that they only just bring up like where they first showed up and like when, but then the fact that they go one step further and they're like, hey, you know, they never found a ship. And of course, much like the scene where he didn't realize that he was talking to his daughter, I'm sitting going, it's because they were already here. Yeah, they were in the yeah. ice. It's like the thing. Just get to the conclusion. Or like War of the Worlds. It's just so weird they didn't mention any of this. Like we, we never heard about when they first appeared, where they first appeared, how they first appeared. It's one of those things where I wasn't really thinking about it and then they just started talking about it in this scene and they said, yeah, it was like Northern Russia. And I'm like, do you know, it's kind of weird that wasn't kind of in like the, the sizzle intro part where they were doing all the exposition. It's kind of odd that that wasn't mentioned. Um, and like you said earlier, it's weird that part of the plan wasn't to like prepare for that like first encounter. Like maybe they can be ready and so on and so on. But anyway, the big problem I have with this scene is that what no one's like considered what these two... like. Betty Gilpin and Chris Pratt in this scene come up on their own with the theory that they were already here, that they were in the ice the whole time and yeah. they they dug their way out for some reason in 2050 or whatever it is. And like he's like, oh, I think, we've got, I think we're onto something here and Betty Gilpin goes, I better tell them that your wife came up with this idea. And I'm like, yeah, no one in the future war, no one who's been like helping them in the last year to say to thought about studying like where they came from when right. they appeared and like because it's not like it's not because as soon as they said there was no evidence of like a ship or like a crater i went oh they're already here <laughs> that was the, yeah. immediately what i said there's a ton of sci-fi movies that have already explained this to us yes i mean we know they're in ice because <laughs> there's a volcano expert in chris pratt's high school biology class for some reason and he is the the key to figuring out where they are specifically in antarctica yeah but it is a crash ship as you know much like the thing it's a crash ship but it's also like alien because when they actually make their way to the ship they say oh that, these were these these are weapons these are bioweapons to like wipe out planets which yep. is exactly what the alien is an alien <laughs> yeah you're right. I thought of that too. Yeah. I, I, well, like it gave me Prometheus vibes, but, which is not like a movie I love. So, so can I just like point all these details out here? What this last third of this movie is: Chris Pratt and his wife, on their own, come mm -hmm. up with a theory that the aliens are already there under under the ice, under the snow, whatever. And from here, they go to some of the some of the other characters survive. Uh, your, your comic relief guy uh, Richardson, and then also the guy who was like on his third tour, right? They they were both back mm -hmm. as well. And he goes to them and he's like, "Hey, we need to try and do this. We can we can go and do this." And then someone says, 
oh, this is weird. I've analyzed some of this, this, these alien claws that we brought back and there's like volcanic ash on it. I mean, do you, do you know anyone that knows about volcanoes? And Chris Pratt's like, oh? <laughs> and is it just there's me? a kid in my class who's obsessed with volcanoes. This setup and payoff to this kid who knows about volcanoes and his knowledge of volcanoes being instrumental in the solution at the end of the film is like a kid's movie. This is yeah. a kid's movie tone, the way it strikes this. Uh, yeah. But sure enough, he comes up with this idea that it's, you know, it's in Russia and this is where the ash might be and blah, 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 blah. And then he goes to his crazy conspiracy theory father who has access to planes so they can stealthily fly into Russia. So keep in mind, the premise of this movie is that Chris Pratt, along with a lot of other people, are drafted into a war in the future to fight aliens because the war's been lost. So they need people from the present day. And we got a bit of time travel, we got all that. The last third of this movie is Chris Pratt, some of his friends and his father, flying to the middle of nowhere in the snowy mountains of Russia, blowing up the ice, finding a crashed alien ship, and then single on their own as a team, because they decide it's better for them to just go in and like try and inject them. Although, why didn't just blow them up in the first place? I don't know. Right, because they actually... They do end up having to blow them up because there's like a whole hive of them on yeah, the ship. Yeah, because at first it looks like there's one woman uh, alien and then like maybe like, you know, a dozen males like on either side of this mm-hmm. main room. But then later on they go down like a side little hallway and then there's like a big like huge chamber with like <laughs> hundreds of them. And it's like, oh, maybe, yeah, maybe the explosives just, you know, maybe just do that right. <laughs> instead. You know, kill them while they're asleep. Um, but of course, the reason why this actively brings in the climate change and beats you over the head with it. Uh, and this is Just a, in case you didn't get it yet. Th- this was the moment, this is the moment where I texted Tara and said, oh, they're going heavy into the climate change here. <laughs> yeah. It's because they said, okay, well, if it's at this mountain, like, what, why 2050? Why did they dig out? And then someone goes, wait a minute. Maybe they didn't dig out. Check check the the melting like that graph. Like, <laughs> how much is that ice going to thaw over the next 30 years? And yeah. I'm like, holy shit. The reason why the aliens wake up is because of literal climate change. Do you remember when we watched the uh, the original Blob movie? And the I'm going to spoil the the ending of the Blob. 1958, I think that was. Yeah, I'm not going to spoil the 88 one because you guys shouldn't all watch that movie. But the Blob, I mean, you could watch it. I guess it's classic, but it's also kind of skippable. It's a, it's a cheesy anyway. classic. It's a cheesy B-movie classic. Yeah. Well, the important thing is the 88 version. But anyway... <laughs> Uh, so they defeat the blob by putting it in the Arctic, and the last like line of the movie is "So long as the ice is still there, we're safe." And then it has the end question mark, which is not which, is, which not intentional, I don't think either. No, that's, a, that's an accident. Way more obvi- like ominous watching it yeah. now, and so that's the, immediately what I thought of in in this movie. It's like somebody's watched the blob recently. <laughs> And also the thing and Alien and War of the Worlds and yeah. Predator. And then the final part of this <laughs> I movie. I also thought of Predator in this scene because like because the, the earth is getting warmer, that's why like the predator predators that like warm climate, that's why they start moving into the cities. I guess it's more like Predator too. Sure, sure. But Which is what... another reason why we should avoid climate change so that predators don't come to our planet. I think that was a, a little bit more of a stretch, but I'll give you it. <laughs> I'll love it. <laughs> um, I, yeah, but keep in mind, 
the the actual final conflict to this movie though is that all the red shirts all all the young people from the future like sort of give their life to like blow everything up and that's okay fair enough right because they're all going to die anyway or they shouldn't yeah. exist they shouldn't be here anyway so whatever um the universe's the, way of working it out the final conflict though is chris because the, the, the female alien gets out into the snow and we get this alien chasing down chris pratt and jk simmons as they run around with a couple of guns a knife and like and it's just this i was laughing ever i actually started laughing during this scene because i thought it was so stupid because at one point yeah. i think jk simmons or i think it's chris pratt jumps up in the alien's back and is kind of like hanging on and it's this was like just generic cg hollywood st- stupid trash that's that- oh yeah he even pulls like a fast and furious thing where he takes like he sneakily uses his snowmobile to like take <laughs> out the, <laughs> the alien when it's about to attack his father even though they move so fast anyway yeah it's all super dumb and it goes it's- on way too long the last 30 minutes like everything before was not good and none of it really works but the last 30 minutes is especially stupid and just mm-hmm. goes to really dumb places and I think if anything, the message of the movie, if again, I'm not really convinced it has really has a message beyond just bringing up something that sounds like a message. But if it has a message, the idea that J.K. Simmons is about to sacrifice himself because they blind the alien, they stab it in the eyes, and the alien's like getting close to Chris Pratt and he's near the edge of a cliff and he's almost going to go off. So J.K. Simmons is because he's not been there for him his whole life, cuts his hand to lure the alien over and says, "I'm sorry, son. I'm sorry for everything." And Chris Pratt makes the choice to not let his father sacrifice himself and dives at him and saves him. And so if anything, it's like, let's not just unload all the oldies even though they're to blame for a lot of the problems. <laughs> we can forgive them because we're better. I mean, I don't think it's a good movie. I-, I think as far as like, just even without all the messaging, just the uh, like the action's not very fun to watch. I think the movie looks bad. Like it's got... I don't like the palette. I don't like the video game look or the, uh, I guess more of like a made for streaming look now. It, that it seems to be pretty consistent. It just looks flat. Yeah. I don't even mm. think it's a made for streaming thing. I think it's just, uh, this is what shooting on digital video with yeah. no creative vision looks like. So that's why they all look like this. <laughs> it's just very disappointing. It's a disappointing film. Not that I was expecting very much, but if you're going to have such an important topic and message and, you know, you want it done well. Yeah, the performances, uh, some of them are just miscast. Uh, I don't think there's any great performance in this movie at all, or even that good. And I don't necessarily blame the actors. It's just more the script, it's more the direction. The direction and the pacing and the, the, the threat, or even just the way the characters don't seem to like react properly to things. They seem to just be fairly accepting of the fact that they're in the future now in a war zone, where I'm like, Okay, maybe if you're going to tell me that Chris Pratt's like that because he has military experience, so he's maybe taking it better than everyone else. Okay, fine, but I feel like everyone's just sort of like following his orders and not really. Yeah, they should be freaking out that how lucky they are that they fell in a pool. Yeah, <laughs> like, and not over the side of a skyscraper. Like, yeah, we should have had at least one character who landed in the pool, looking over the edge and seeing like one of the guys who just like start screaming or something. Yeah, I was just looking in horror. Like they see like maybe one of the people landed on the on the, the actual banister at the edge of the roof, mm-hmm. and like they're, they're sort of like lying, lying there with their back broken because that's where they've landed. Like. I mean, we probably sort of fell off after that, admittedly. But let's just say they were still lying there. Like, you have a character just looking at that and just be, like, in shock. Because, the, yeah. like, that could have been you. Make it like the D-Day scene in in uh, 
Saving Private Ryan. It just and there's even there's a moment where you could tell they added like embers digitally over the top of the frame when they're standing mm-hmm. talking at one point, and I'm like, all I can feel right now is green screen. All I can feel is you surrounded by green screen and everything around you, other than maybe like the the very immediate floor and like some of the the, the very close things, is is CG, and it just it has that feel to it. Uh, so it does feel don't get me wrong, it does feel like a a proper big budget movie comparatively mm-hmm. but it still has a lot of the the tell signs of something that's very uninspired in terms of how it's shot and just kind of the this is the bare minimum this is just the the shit it out and the, it'll do standard of hollywood uh there's very little to like in this film and it's not so much that it's you know it's as funny as it is to compare to birdemic it's never the worst of anything but at its best it's really mediocre but mm-hmm. it doesn't stay mediocre for very long it gets worse and i mean never quite disaster levels it's never no i wouldn't say so i i wouldn't say it's like really hard to watch i just don't think it's a very good movie and it's like there's still some things in it that it it looks like a Hollywood movie. <laughs> I, feel, I, I feel like I want to finish finish my point, but I'm not going to because ultimately I have no. I don't know what how to end it, and my number that I'm about to give will probably end it better than any sentence that I could think of. So, uh, so Tara, would you like to rate the Tomorrow War? Um, I'm gonna give it a four, which I think maybe is a bit generous, but like it's. It's definitely like a passable blockbuster movie that I'm sure some people will get a lot of enjoyment from. <laughs> I'm going to go... Because I think I started at a 5. Like, I, I was at a 5 out of 10 within, like, 3 minutes of screen time. <laughs> and then as it went on and more and more things weren't clicking and then the direction was really bad i'm like okay this has dropped to a four and to be honest i think the last like 20 minutes is so stupid and just feels so like out of a different movie to a point that yeah i'm going with a three out of ten okay i can't wait for the sequel the day after tomorrow war clever you should have written jokes for this movie that was so good, I already used it on Twitter. So. <laughs> but Tara doesn't follow me on Twitter, so she doesn't get to see my jokes in advance. No, I don't do Twitter. It's not anything personal against Peter. I don't follow anyone. Yeah, yeah. It's not, you're just not a Twitter person. Um, all right. Uh, let's um, wrap this up with uh, a couple of things. First of all, if you made it this far into the review, put the word edge of tomorrow war <laughs> no sure <laughs> edge of tomorrow war to colon the day after tomorrow war uh any any combination of that into the comments if you've been at this far uh please do like and subscribe of course those help on youtube a lot that is how youtube gave you success especially now that we've moved over to the the dedicated mail of us movies channel it would be very useful and helpful if you did so. So we always appreciate it. Um, Tara's going to post for the thumbnail. So get that make out of there.
I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait to see how she gets her opinion across in this, this facial expression. Okay. Five. Five? I look at five for this. Three, two, one. Pause. That was... That's art. Face art. <laughs> that, that may have been the most beautiful pose I've ever seen. <laughs> I know. Slap, slap it on a magazine, you'll sell hundreds of dozens <laughs> of copies. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, I care so much about my looks on the internet. <laughs> uh, you can, of course, uh, uh, get us on Twitter, at mail underscore fuzz for channel of this. Uh, Tara, would you like to tell the kind people about Patreon? After, of course, I thank our Patreon producers for the month. Uh, so thank you. To Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Board Now, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Stanley. They are all Patreon producers. But Tara will tell you more about Patreon in general. Yeah, right about that now. was so rude of me. Sorry that I yawned during that. Um, I do love you, patrons. If mm. you check out our Patreon page and donate as those $1 per month, you will get access to bonus episodes of The Ace. So if you're looking for your favorite B-movie schlock, which uh, maybe we'll do Birdemic one day. It is as sciencey as this movie. It's no time travel, but it's all, you know, climate science fiction, <laughs> bird science fiction. This, mo- this movie had both aliens and time travel in it. You're trying to okay. argue that Birdemic is equally science fiction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's lots to talk about solar panels. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, uh, we have lots of fun movies and reviews on there. Whole back catalog, including Time Cop, uh, Future Force, um, not Death Race 2000, but something adjacent to it, uh, <laughs> the Transfer Saga. And if you donate $5 per month, you will get access to these reviews one day early and some other shows you get a whole week early. So, uh, thank you. Next time on the show, you already know this because I told you about it last week, but next time you're getting Matrix Revolutions. We're finishing out the Matrix trilogy, which obviously we're doing because the fourth one's coming out this year. Uh, And I'll just say that the week after that, we're starting another shortish franchise uh, to shake things up a little bit. Uh, So... Look forward to that. I won't, I should not reveal it as of yet, but look forward to it. Uh, but that is uh, that's pretty much it then. That is the show. That is the Tomorrow War. Uh, our, our review and discussion of this very bland, soulless film. In fact, do you know what? Just to sum this up, I think, the best thing I can say is that in the last 30 seconds, for some reason, Chris Pratt has narration that comes in, which never happened the entire movie until the last 30 seconds where he just starts talking no. about Oh, I got to save my daughter. I've realized the life that I had. I was the special man that I always wanted to be all along. Or something to that effect. They definitely could have opened it because it, they open with him in like the wormhole. So you could have done a like a freeze frame. I bet <clears throat> you're wondering how I got here. <laughs> uh, hell, I mean, even that opening felt really unconfident. It, that was like, we know people are going to be bored by the first like 40 minutes. So we're going to like tease the, the start of the actual future stuff and cut what back. What a shame. Yeah. So... That wasn't written that way. That was something they did in editing to try and make the start of the movie seem more exciting. Yeah. 
that's my stance. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> that has been our thoughts on the movie. This has been the Atomic Cinema Experiment. Thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction and computer at Salsa. Science. <laughs> <laughs>